Hey, all you Tap to Craft listeners, this is Denny, and just wanted to let you know that John and I forgot to mention our Tasting Notes beer for the next episode, episode 7. We want all of you to go out and see if you can find Deschutes Brewing Jubilee Winter Warmer. It's available now in most areas that, that Deschutes distribute to, and so if you could pick up a six-pack and be prepared for our release on October 30th when we will be discussing the tasting notes for Jubilee Winter Warmer. All right, thanks. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Tap the Craft, an informational podcast about craft beer, targeting the everyday beer drinker. My name is Denny Luce, and joining me tonight is my buddy John Ream. How you doing tonight, John? Very well. Got a good beer in my glass, so it's a great night. All right. Excellent. Well, John and I are beer enthusiasts, and what that means is, hey, we love drinking craft beers, we love talking about craft beers, we love learning about craft beers, and we want to share that information with you our listeners and we want to share this to help you learn we're going to talk about it in layman's terms you know just everyday terms that you guys can understand so you can you know learn to be enthusiasts too and uh, we encourage our listeners to write into the show we want to hear from you please you can contact us on our twitter account that's at tap the craft or you can email us at tap the craft at gmail.com with your questions your experiences whatever just talk to us. We love to hear from you. And uh, if you write in, then your email will get on the show. Or if you ask us a question, we're going to go ahead and answer your questions on the show. So this is episode six. We're recording on Monday, October 13th, 2014. And in this episode, we're going to discuss the art of pouring the perfect beer. We're also going to answer a listener question about alcohol by volume. And we, if we have time, we even have a couple quick industry news articles. So, John, we're, we're on a craft beer podcast, so what are you drinking tonight? So, it's hop harvest season, and uh, a lot of breweries are putting out their fresh hop ales or wet hop, hop ales or however they, they want to describe it. Mm-hmm. And I've got a, a local, for me, uh, Fremont Brewing, and their Cowish Canyon fresh hop ale. Uh, it's just... Tons of citrus and tropical hop flavor and aroma. It's really smooth, um, and it's my favorite fresh hop beer that I think I've ever had the pleasure to drink. So. All right, all right. Uh, how, what's the? Uh, you, you happen to know the alcohol content of that? It is six percent. Nice volume. Nice. Yeah, so. just right. Just right. Well, man, you're. I'm going complete opposite. I'm still in fall here. It's. It cooled off a little bit this weekend. It's warmed up a little bit today, but it's supposed to, you know, get a little rainy and cooled off following the the, the rest of the week. So I'm right into my fall beers, with, you know, as we talked about last episode, with the pumpkin pumpkin beers, and I'm going with the Anderson Valley Fall Hornin pumpkin beer that I just can't get enough of. I just 
man, I, I'm not a big pumpkin beer fan, but I, I can just drink this beer all the time. Really, really good. All right. Well, hey, we're going to try to keep this episode right at one hour, just like we did last time. And let's try to make a, you know, let's let's try to do this two in a row. So we're going to get right into the meat of the podcast, which is our Brew Buzz segment. And the Brew Buzz segment is devoted to discussing all types of beer-related topics. But this week, we want to talk about the proper way of pouring a beer. And you know what, John? If you don't mind, maybe I'll let you take uh, pole position on this uh, topic. You okay with that? Yeah. So... You know, we talked about glassware a couple episodes ago and how important it was to pour your beer into a glass, get release that aroma, you know, really pull all the, the flavors together um, and just give you a, a much better beer drinking experience. But you really need to make sure you can get the beer into the glass, you know, the right way to really maximize the whole drinking uh, experience <laughs> there. All right. I mean... You don't want to pour too gently and not agitate the beer at all. Then you'll, your aroma will be flat. You won't develop any of that head. But if you pour you know, too roughly, you're going to be sitting there for 15 minutes waiting to get all your beer in the glass because <laughs> it's going to be half full of head. Yes. So you know, we, want to, we want to get the beer in, get that nice you know, inch, inch and a half ahead because you, know, you start, start your drinking with your eyes, mm -hmm. you know, looking at this, this pint of beer and just... You want it to be just very appealing. Mm -hmm. um, so the first step is to get get your glass, get the right glass, and make sure it's clean. You know, any kind of residue left in the glass, be it soap, you know, something else that you were drinking mm -hmm. that can inhibit your head production. You know, that's going to minimize your aroma, flavors. So start with a clean glass, get the right glass, okay. and. Uh, you're well on your way. All right. How about what's what's your take on whether a glass should be chilled or not? Is there some glasses that are okay to be chilled? I mean, I, some people put them in the freezer. Some people put them in a fridge. Some people just take them right out of the cupboard. What what do you what's your suggestion? I personally don't chill my glasses. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we we've talked about you know you, you want your beer to not be super cold, um, and if you put it into a you know, glass that's been in the freezer, it's it's never going to warm to the proper temperature <laughs> by the time you want to drink it. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I always start with a room temperature glass. But, you know, if if it makes you happy seeing a really frosty mug, yeah, hey, more power to you. Well, I mean, <laughs> mugs typically are really thick glass. I mean, if you were to take a, a big 25-ounce Stein mug out of the cupboard and pour a beer into it, you think that might suck the the cool coolness out of that beer too soon? Maybe. Yeah, it could. Okay. Um, or you're just not drinking fast enough. Ah, <laughs> yes. yes. That, that's the key. That's the key is is go ahead, pour that first beer and suck it down real quick, and then pour your second one in, and then the glass is already in the, at perfect temperature. There you go. <laughs> Problem solving. Yeah. All right. So you you've got you've got your glass. You got your beer, you crack it open, and you want to tilt tilt your glass at like a 45-degree angle to, to the counter. And you want to have a nice, consistent pour, uh, and you want to aim it into the glass so it's hitting about halfway down 
that that wall. Um, it's going to start to develop some of that foam, um, but you d- you don't want it to be too fast. If it, if it's really foaming up, you want to slow down, uh, slow down your pour. Maybe bring the bottle a little closer to the glass. Um, you just want that just just a little bit of bubbles to start forming, and then when you when you get the glass about halfway full, you know, tilt it back upright and keep pouring your same speed. Uh, and then you'll see it just start foaming up and you want, you want to get it to where there's an inch ahead, you know, just a couple fingers worth on the top, on top of the beer. And it, it may take a couple, you know, beers to practice, you know, just what the right speed is for you and, you know, your, your definition of a 45 degree angle. (laughs) Um, but, uh, you know. More practice means more more beers to drink. So I don't think that's a bad homework assignment. Uh, okay, I agree. Now, here's where <laughs> I come in the problems. I can usually pour a beer pretty good one or two in. But once I start drinking and I start getting a little bit happy, um, that pour gets a little bit not so perfect. I mean, is that – is there any you need any tips to, uh, to try to counteract, uh, you know, the, the – tingliness in your head as you start to you know imbibe more alcohol uh not really no okay just, that, <laughs> yeah, have, have someone else pour i guess is the secret right well or just pour as best you can and okay give it a couple minutes and finish <laughs> off the bottle yeah you, it, you know on untapped if you see a beer with a huge head you know how many beers i've had before pouring that beer because those are the ones that usually mean i've i've had uh one or two too many where I just can't get that pour right. All right. So, you know, we, we talk about this, this process of pouring the beer. Um, but, you know, we've, we've also discussed in the glassware that some beers, they're going to foam more than others. Uh, you know, wheat beers are very common for this. And that's why, you know, that large Weizen glass gives you space for that foam. Um, but even though if you, if you have that glass and you're, you're going to take advantage of that space for the foam you still want to be careful because it can run away from you really quick mm-hmm. um and it, there's really nothing sadder than having your beer overflow all over the counter mm-hmm. i mean it it just it's wasted mm-hmm. so you know be, be extra careful with with beers like that even if you have the proper glass um and just keep an eye on it you know if, if it starts foaming up just slow down uh you know make sure you're, you're not too far away from the glass um, I mean, I, I guess I, I didn't say I, I usually have my bottle, I don't know, four or five inches maybe from the side of the glass where it's, the mm. beer's hitting. Okay. Um, but I mean, you can experiment, you can play bartender, hold it up two feet, you know, <laughs> <laughs> is there what, what, what a show. It, so what, uh, I mean, I, I'm just, I'm just curious if you have any idea what, if you hold it f- further away as the pours, is it? Is it uh, creating more, but you know, as it pours in there, is it agitating and creating more turbulence that that's gonna? I mean, what's it doing as as you're pouring from a higher height? So yeah, it's that beer's gonna pick up a little more speed coming into the glass, and then you know that's gonna create more agitation, which is gonna create a bigger head mm-hmm. uh, instantly. Okay. And so that's that's kind of where the experimentation comes for you and where you know you what your speed is and height that 
that you find comfortable for yourself. You know, okay. a slower speed higher up is going to be just fine as a faster speed closer to the bot to the glass. Okay. So, you know, whatever's more comfortable. So, okay. for you or showing off. Yes, that's how high I, you can pour a yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't, I'm not that coordinated, so I try to keep it low. Another thing to, to take into account is bottle condition beers. So you'll you'll see bottles sometimes marked um, that they've been bottle conditioned or unfiltered. Uh, you really want to check any beer that you get from a can because you can't tell by looking through yeah. the bottle if there's <laughs> sediment on the bottom, and you'll you'll be really sad when you suddenly dump all this stuff mm-hmm. into your into your beer it's real cloudy but th- these beers have you know some yeast sediment maybe some some of those proteins that we've talked about have settled out they're sitting on the bottom of the of the bottle um it's really personal preference uh whether to pour that into your glass um it is going to change the flavor of the beer um i just did a, a test with this the other night um and i poured out the bulk of the beer into one glass and I took a taster glass and put all the rest in there and it, the difference in clarity was immense you know the little taster was very cloudy and it had a a bit sharper bitterness to it um, from the yeast when I when I tasted it and you know if I had mixed that in with the full 22 ounces of it it might not have been as noticeable as yeah. putting all the yeast in a little taster, but yeah. it is going to have an effect. And, you know, some people may like that. Uh, others may not. Um, so if, if you have a bottle conditioned beer, just pay attention to what you're doing. Keep the bottle tilted, even if you have to, you know, stop for a second in your pour. Because if you upright that bottle, it's going to mix up that sediment in, in the beer that you have left in that bottle. And you're not going to be able to really separate it out. Not sure. to agitate that sediment in the bottom of the bottle. And if you are pouring a beer for someone else, uh, I, I always assume that they don't want it in the glass. Um, so just be courteous. Don't don't pour it in unless they, you know, request it. So that that would be my beer pouring etiquette uh, for the day. That makes sense. That makes sense. So um, there are some beers, though, right, John? That that some people, I mean. I've heard that some wheat beers, especially from Germany, uh, a lot of times they, if you read on the bottle or something, they'll say, pour like two thirds of the beer in the glass, then swirl the bottom to get all that that yeast and and wheat protein uh, mixed into the remaining beer, and then and then go ahead and pour it into the glass to get uh, the suspended wheat protein and and yeast into the beer while you drink it, like you know a good Hefeweizen, nice unfiltered beer. Uh, is there any? Uh, have you heard that that's uh, you know something that's that's protocol to do on wheat beers? Yeah, wheat beers are traditionally uh, have that hazy. Um, you, you can do that. You can do the partial pour, then swirl it up. Uh, another thing you can do is before you even open it, uh, just put the bottle on its side and gently roll it on the counter, mm-hmm. um, and that'll that should mix up enough of the sediment to to get it in there. And I've actually heard of breweries uh, instructing bars and restaurants to store uh, wheat beer kegs upside down yeah. in their in their coolers, so that when they go to put it on, they flip it over, and all that uh, yeast and stuff gets back into suspension for a little while. Yep. 
um, and you know properly is presented to the customer. So yeah, yeah, the same thing with bottles of those beers. I heard that a lot of times though they recommend you you actually store them upside down with the cap down, and so like just like you said, when you pick it up to open it and pour it, it automatically mixes that. Uh, you know the the wheat proteins and sediment into the beer, and then you pour it the proper way. So now I wouldn't trust myself to not tip it over and break it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they actually. I mean, I've seen where they actually have these, um, you know, like these bottle racks that they just stick them in. So you can build yourself a bottle rack to do that. But I I don't think we drink enough wheat beers to really be able to <laughs> to justify that expense and extra. Now. Well, um, you know, we all know that that yeast is a is an active uh, enzyme, right? That uh, that is in our uh, GI tract normally. Uh, by putting these extra yeast, you know, extra yeast from the beer into our systems, it, you know, I I don't personally have a problem. Although I remember back probably 15 years ago when I was drinking some of my first home brews from my friends that some some home brews can get a little bit yeasty. And uh, I remember having a little bit of, uh, you know, loose stools after drinking some of my buddy's homebrew. So you, you got to kind of be careful not to overdo it, right? Yeah, I also have not had a problem with it, but I, I do know people that that are sensitive to some of that extra yeast. So yeah, yeah. It's, again, something you're just going to kind of have to figure out if that's you or not. Uh, <laughs> that's true. You can do what I do, either drink a lot, or eat yogurt every day. I do both, so I'm double. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm doubled up for for good uh, yeast cultures in my stomach. All right, excellent. Anything else, John? I think that does it. Wow, awesome job. Yeah, I. Uh, yeah, the art of pouring a beer. I mean, I think pretty much everyone knows about the 45 degree thing, but I, I really appreciate you pointing out the the height thing too. You don't want to just lean that that top of that ball right in the glass you want to kind of give you a little bit of extra height there to help agitate that beer and get get a good head and that's what you mentioned before in the show is that everyone that you know the ideal pour people think is with no head at all and that's not true just like you know we've mentioned before you want to have that head because that's gonna you know it's like the the volatile net it captures all that stuff and and saves it for your nose to take it in when you take that big sip Excellent stuff. All right. Well, let's keep moving. We're, you know, we're, our goal is to keep it 45 minutes to an hour, and we're going to go right into a listener question. And this question is from David M. He's known as Yo Jimbo 2000 on Twitter, and he asked a question from our at Tap the Craft Twitter account. If I drink one 12-ounce beer with an ABV, that's alcohol by volume, of 10%, is that the same as drinking two 12-ounce beers with 5% ABV? And the short answer is, David, yes. If you drink one 12-ounce glass of 10% ABV beer, you will have to drink twice that quantity of 5% in order to equal the same serving amount of alcohol. That's That answers the question. But it's more complicated than that because we haven't talked about what actually a serving of alcohol is, and that's where we're going to get into now. Uh, the U.S. Now, every country has their own definition of what a serving size is, and most of them are dealing with the different quantities or, or measurements that they're using in their countries. But here in the U.S., uh, the ABV is defined as basically 
0.6 fluid ounces of 100% alcohol is equal to one U.S. serving. And it, it sounds kind of confusing because it is. Uh, and so uh, just to, to kind of give you a, a reference of what this means, uh, a serving size of, let's just say, liquor, like a rum or tequila, uh, of 1.5 fluid ounces is equal to, or wait, 1.5 ounces of 40% alcohol or 80 proof liquor is equal to one U.S. serving. That equates to basically one 12-ounce beer at 5% ABV. So that's, a, that's the equivalent of uh, equal to one U.S. serving size. How you figure out what the ABV is, is you, so for one thing, we don't know what the ABV is. We're told what this is by the, by the brewer. And you'll find on the side of the bottle, the brewer will come up with what the approximate, and again, this is all, you know, it's, it's, there's science involved, but it's also an approximation of what the, the actual, actual ABV is. And so the side of the bottle will say it's 5%, 6%, 10%. You know, 12%, whatever. They're going to determine what the alcohol by volume uh, percentage is. You, you can take that and you can multiply it by the volume that you're consuming. And then you can divide it by that 0.6 fluid ounces. That's the one serving. And that will tell you exactly how many servings of alcohol you're drinking according to the U.S. unit of measure. Let's just take a couple of examples here. If you, if you were to take a, a five or 12 ounce bottle of beer at 5%, uh, you basically, one ounce of that 5% beer is you're drinking one twelfth of the amount of a, of a serving size of alcohol. Uh, because we know that one full bottle of that is equal to one serving. And if you take 22 ounces of that 5% beer, then you're drinking 22 twelfths, which is almost twice, but not quite. It's actually 1.83 U.S. servings. And I kind of I made a chart here uh, that kind of uh, will go through you know from five to ten ABV and what that equals. So a twelve ounce bottle, five percent is one serving. A six percent beer is equal to a twelve ounce beer is equal to one point two. Seven is one point four. Eight is of course one point six. Nine is one point eight. And if you were to drink like we mentioned in the example that David asked. 10% alcohol, you'd have to drink two 12-ounce beers. That would be two servings of alcohol. Now, this is kind of strange because typically, if you buy a bottle of beer, it's going to be 12 ounces or 22 ounces. And if you get a glass of beer at the pub, it's typically going to be, you know, you're hoping you're going to get a 16-ounce pour. So it's, it gets kind of complicated to, you know, keep all these numbers straight because, Again, it's based on the amount of volume that you're drinking of that of that alcohol. So, like a, for example, a five percent. I already mentioned a five percent beer at 22 ounce bottle. A, a double deuce is 1.83. A six percent beer is 2.2, and a seven is 2.57. Eight is 2.93. Almost three, you know, three servings in, in one eight percent 22 ounce beer. And 9 is 3.3, and 10 is 3.67. So, you know, as the alcohol content, the ABV goes up in a beer, the more quantity you drink of that, then, of course, makes sense. You're going to get more servings of alcohol. Now, that all sounds cool. You can kind of get an idea. You can base everything off of, you know, the way I do it is I base everything off of 5% alcohol beer. I know that if I drink 12 ounces, that's one serving. 
So, but how does this equate to what your blood alcohol level is? Because that's what matters. You know, there's, you know, it matters as far as how the alcohol affects you in your uh, ability to to do things. You know, to drive, to walk, to work. But the law in most states sta- states that you, if you get pulled over for what they think is for drinking too much, then it's whatever the the state's rules are. And most of them are about 0.08 blood alcohol content and you're legally drunk in, in most states. There's a few states that are lower than that. I know, I believe Virginia is 0.06, which is very low. I mean, basically, you know, I wouldn't drink more than one beer in an hour and drive if, if I could help it because you get pulled over. They, you know... Even though you may have good cognizant uh, abilities, if you blow over that, they can still, you know, haul you in for for driving while intoxicated. But uh, there's a few uh, different factors to take in consideration when when dealing with the blood alcohol content. And uh, one of them, of course, is the amount of alcohol consumed. Another one is your body weight, you know, the actual physical, you know, body weight, how much of your body your blood's pumping through. And the other one that's pretty important is the length of time that you've been drinking these beers. These all have a huge effect on the amount of your blood alcohol content. Of course, other things to take in consideration is is that you know that hey you might make sure you you have a full stomach. That tends to help uh, you know not get that blood into your system as fast. So it helps you know helps with that. So I want to use an example just to go over some of these blood alcohol content uh, numbers. So I'm going to take my weight. I weigh 195, 195 pounds. And if I were to drink one beer at 5% alcohol, one serving, in a 10-minute time frame, which is pretty fast. But you know what? When you're watching football and stuff, you might be able to you know, drink these that quick. Uh, my blood alcohol content for my weight would be 0.018. And again, the, the limit here in Idaho is 0.08 before they consider you an impairment to drive and you, you get busted for driving under intoxication. So um, way under the limit. I could probably, you know, given, you know, everything was perfect, I could probably drink one beer in, in a 10-minute period and nothing else, and I would probably be okay. But it, everyone's different, so I don't want to, you know, make sure everyone knows that this is your own body, not, not just don't go on the numbers. You have to, you know, use some common sense here. Um, if I keep that trend up and I actually go ahead and drink five or, you know, drink one 5% beer every 10 minutes uh, for the next, you know, 40 minutes, that's four beers in 40 minutes, that equates to 0.072. Again, uh, if I go by numbers, yeah, it's below the 0.08. Uh, but, hey, that's really close. And ev- like I said, everybody's uh, metabolism works a little bit different. Everyone's affected by alcohol different. Uh, I wouldn't recommend that, you know, if you drink four beers in 40 minutes, you should probably not drive. Uh, I think if you drink two minutes, you know, two, two beers in a short amount of time, you probably should, you know, stick it out away. Just wait it out, drink some water, dilute that stuff a little. Um, so now let's go back to, back to, to Yo Jimbo's example, right? Now he says, Hey, I'm going to drink one 10% 10% beer in 10 minute time frame. Well, guess what? Uh, your blood alcohol content doubles. It's basically, it goes from 0.018 to 0.039. I mean, it, it's a, it, 
That's pretty serious. In 10 minutes, you drink one 10, 10% beer, which is pretty easy to do with these double IPAs these days or these Russian Imperial Stouts. You know, you drink one old Rasputin Stout in a 10-minute period. Uh, you know, you don't want to drive right after that 10 minutes. You're going to be a little bit, uh, you know, hazy. Let's see. I think uh, I mentioned that I mean, this might be a little high for every day, you know, for my more high gravity thing. But on average, if I drink four and a half to five percent beers, I drink them in a consumption rate of about one every 15 minutes. Now, I'm not saying I just power these for like two hours straight, uh, you know, but I'm saying if I'm socially drinking at watching football, especially my Oregon Ducks playing on Saturday, uh, I will tend to go and pour a beer, you know, quite often, especially if I'm drinking lower alcohol content. So if I were to, you know, keep in mind that every 15 minutes, that I need to be aware that of what the ABV I'm drinking and the size of the beers I drink. And, and also remember that if I'm at a pub, those are 16 ounce pours. That's four more ounces than, you know, that's a, that's a, no, a, that's a third more actually a beer than what, sh- what the numbers add up to. So keep all that in mind that you end up drinking two, Six, you know, two pint glasses, that's 32 ounces. That's three, you know, over three beers, uh, you know, uh, wait, not quite three beers. That's almost, almost three, almost three beers. <laughs> so, and especially if you're drinking that stuff, that's, you know, 8%, 9%, that's a lot of alcohol. You need to really be careful that you don't overdo it. Have someone else, you know, drive you around. So the other thing, Hey, I mentioned body weight, and these aren't huge changes, but body weight does make a difference. So let's just say that I I, I gave you the numbers for 195, close to 200, right? Let's say you're 175. That one 5% beer that you drank in 10 minutes, that's 0.02. That's actually, you know, it's a little bit higher than, you know, just by 20 pounds uh, less weight. It, It gives you... You know, a you know pretty good uh, increase in the alcohol content or the BAC, uh, and you you lower that weight to 150, 150 pounds, which you know, uh, John, you're about 150, right? I used to be. I'm oh. close to 170 now. Oh wow, you gained some weight since I last saw you, huh? I'm a lot of drinking. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if you are 150, let's say John was back in his college years when he was back at 150, you know. That, that one 5% beer, that's 0.024 for him, you know, or, you know, were you ever 150? Oh, yeah. Okay. I was 150 for a long time. Okay. All right. Well, I'm glad you put on some weight because now you can drink more beer. So the other thing, too, keep in mind is that uh, men and, and female, their bodies process the alcohol a little bit differently. And for some reason, I don't know the science behind this. I, I don't really care. Um, which is, you know, this is good when you're in college and you want to get, you know, women drunk quick. But, you know, uh, when you have a, a wife that you need to keep sober so she can drive you, uh, it can be a, a hindrance too. But a female, if they drink one 5% beer in 10 minutes and they weigh 150, now that's a little bit, you know, heavy maybe for most, uh, you know, for most women. But that if they're 150, and I'm going high because most, you know, I'm, I'm, I think a lot of women are in the 125 range or lower. Uh, that's 0.027 for one beer. You know, they drink two of them and they're close to, you know, really close to the limit for legally. Uh, and, you know, again, two, two 5% beers in 20 minutes using the 10-minute increment. Now, 
you know, in college, that's probably about right. As you get older, it slows down a little bit, but that's 0.055 BHC. So you really have to be careful uh, when consuming these nice craft beers. It's great to have beers with a lot of alcohol, but hey, maybe you need to consider drinking them when you're at home or at least have a designated driver because this can really mess you up real quick. You don't realize, you know, how much alcohol you're putting in your body. Yeah, especially if you're making a transition. If you're just getting in, you're used to, you know, the light beers of the world. I mean, it it's going to hit you harder and faster than, than you're used to. So uh, definitely stay on your toes. Make sure you, you've got a way to get home if, if things do slip away. And, you know, please take advantage of that. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, a taxi cab is much cheaper than a lot of other alternatives. The worst being that you actually, you know, hurt somebody, kill them. You don't want to live with that for sure. That that forty dollar taxi cab is way way better than that. That's about it for the uh, alcohol content. I I hope that helps. I mean, when I was going over this in my head, it made a lot more uh, you know sense. Hopefully, it made sense explaining it to you guys on on how you can figure out you know keep a track of of what your alcohol content. But I know that. When when David asked that question, I was like, oh, yeah, it's a perfect question because, you know, what does it mean? You know, when a beer on a, you know, you get a beer that says, you know, uh, 10% in a 12-ounce bottle, but you can get that same beer in a 22-ounce bottle and it still says 10%. You're like, well, okay, I only have a 10% beer. It must be the same, right? And, and I can see where people get confused because they don't really understand that, you know, that that it's all based on the volume. Uh, you know, of that beer and how many servings of alcohol are in it. They don't say this beer has two servings, right? They don't say that, that you know, it says it's 10%. Um, that, that's where it gets confusing because a two-serving 12-ounce beer is different than a, than a you know, what's, that they think of a two-serving 22-ounce beer because it's not really two. We already mentioned that that uh, 10%, where did I have that at on here? That's... 3.67 that's almost four beers when you drink a 22 ounce bottle of a 10 percent beer so uh that's you know that's that's a lot of servings so hopefully that cleared things up you have anything else on that john no i think we covered it all right we're flying all right let's go into some beer industry news and we have i i see that i put two articles in and john threw one in too that's great uh i'm going to talk about one of my favorite breweries in California, in Southern California, Stone Brewing. And uh, on the 40 cast this week, I listened to them this morning, and they mentioned this article. I already had it in my, in my news article. This is Stone Brewing. They picked their East Coast location, and it wasn't in Ohio. I was so sh- bummed. Because, Me too. <laughs> yeah. I thought, you know what? When I go and visit my buddies back there, we're going to go to Stone. No. Nope, Stone goes to Richmond, Virginia, their destination for their $74 million East Coast hub. And wow, I was shocked. Uh, I was shocked because, now I haven't been to Richmond in many years, but I've been to Richmond and, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's not as uh, luxury or nice that I, I mean, maybe it's changed over the years, but it, it seemed like it was kind of an odd choice. Uh, what, what's your thought on on them going to Richmond, John? Uh, you know, I'm not too familiar with the area. Uh, 
I'm I am disappointed I didn't go to Ohio because I would have been able to visit uh, more often there, mm-hmm. going to see family and such. Uh, but you know, in terms of being near population, uh, it's probably a much better choice. Uh, you're much closer to a lot bigger uh, population hubs along, up up and down the East Coast. True, true. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, so. I I'm looking at what their their article says, and basically. You know, they said that the three finalist cities each provided diverse offerings. However, they decided to begin the next step negotiations with Richmond because of their ability to meet their extensive site requirements. Okay. All right. They had a lot of open space, I guess, that they needed. And, of course, subject to the city's approval. Um, they said that they feel Richmond's vibrant energy and impressive craft beer culture. Now, what the hell beers come from Richmond? Can you name any beers that come from Richmond? Not off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. They kind of are blowing some smoke up their asses right there, I think. Uh, because there's a lot more beers that are memorable from Ohio, for sure, than, than Richmond. But this is, uh, it's going to be, what is it, a 200,000 square foot production brewery and distribution facility. 14 acres of land. They're going to be equipping a 250 barrel brew house. That would produce year-round and special-release beers, bottled, kegged, and distributed, as well as enjoyed on-site. That's fantastic. Yeah, I know. As part of the, part of their expansion, they wanted to make sure that they could build another, you know, Stone World Bistro and Gardens yes. uh, facility. And if anybody, you know, has a chance to make it to San Diego before this Richmond one is up and running. Uh, Definitely hit that up. It is a very impressive uh, facility, and they've got a ton of beers and a lot of one-offs that you won't be able to get anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, the gardens are really nice. You can take your beer and you know walk through the garden, and you you can't even realize that you're you know a hundred yards from a huge uh, brewery. You know, <laughs> it's this huge production facility. It, it totally just lets you escape. Uh, it's it's really cool. So I definitely recommend it, and when they get this one up and running, you know, definitely go check it out. Uh, it, it's just, it, it is world class uh, in terms of a, you know, at brewery drinking experience. So. Yeah, yeah. I'm jealous of you. I'm not jealous. I'm envious that you got to go visit them, and I still haven't made it down that south. But maybe once they open the Richmond one, I get back to Virginia. I'll just jump in the car with my buddy Glovebox, and we're gonna go drive to Richmond. A, what is it, like 60 to 100 miles away, and we'll go visit. We can do that. All right, that, next article, also a Stone Brewing article. And this one, uh, it kind of caught my fancy because they are all about fresh beer. They're, they push fresh beer. They don't want their beer on the shelves for, you know, they want to be fresh. They want you to drink it the way it's meant to be drank, not stale and, and you know, not not the way they they meant, and so they they have this enjoy buy uh, thing they've been doing for the last uh, almost two years now I guess maybe it's at least a year if not two years yeah at least a couple of years yeah and basically what the enjoy buy uh, brand is is they brew an IPA and this IPA has a, a label and the label is actually the date that they want you to drink it be you know thirty days after it's bottled they want the beer to be consumed. And it's a it's a great little publicity thing that I really enjoyed. We've had at least four come through Boise. I drink yeah, every they, one. Yeah, they rotate. Uh, 
you know, who gets them, what markets. Mm-hmm. Um, early on, they, you know, part of the publicity thing, they did, uh, you know, competitions between different states. Yes. Uh, online and stuff to have people, you know, basically beg to have the beer come to them and whoever <laughs> yeah. you know, begged the most yeah. uh, got the beers. I, I don't know if they still do that kind of thing. I think they're now kind of spreading it out as best they can. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, if, if if it comes to your area, definitely snag a bottle. It's good stuff. Yeah, it's good. So now here's a twist to that whole thing. This is the Stone Enjoy After beer. It's a Brett IPA, and they're saying that this beer won't be properly aged until a year after it's released, basically. They want you to store this beer for a year. And, uh, wow, that's pretty ballsy. What do you think, John? Uh, you know, it's it's interesting, and it it's kind of a teaching thing. I mean, we've got a lot of these, you know, beers that are inoculated with sour yeast bugs mm-hmm. that'll give this funk. That's what Britannomyces is, that the Brett... Um, it's a wild yeast, so uh, it, it develops more character as it sits in the bottle. It's still consuming some of those sugars that mm-hmm. you know normal beer yeast can't consume. Um, so it, the beer is definitely going to be changing and evolving. And you know, just like the I, the I normal IPAs that they're saying you want to drink these fresh, you know, this is another like, hey, we're putting it in your face. Let this sit, you know. Yeah. To, take it when it's at its peak yeah so yeah yeah this is uh just to give a little information it's a 750 milliliter cork and cage bottle so it's a nice big bottle is 750 is that uh was what is that a liter what's some i don't even know it'd it'd be three-fourths of a liter three-fourths of a thousand milliliters okay okay three yeah 750 is uh 16.9 is that what that is no, uh, 20.9, 20? 16 and 9 <laughs> ounces. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, 16, 16 and 9 ounces. All right. So I don't know. But anyway, it's the European equivalent to our, like, 22. Okay. Um, their standard is 375. Okay. So. All right. So it, it says that uh, that this IPA is spiked at bottling with the Britannomyces. Is that right? Is it Britannomyces? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, like John said, it's the wild yeast that over time brings about a charmingly unpredictable complexities of spice, funk, acidity, and more. The operative words in our beer cellaring thesis are over time. For those of you who are impatient or like to experiment, the earliest we recommend sampling this beer is 1031.14. Now, I believe this beer was bottled in late September... Um, I don't remember exactly when, but I think it was like, I think I, I think it was late September. So they're saying one, if you really, if you want to try this before it's ready, one month after it's bottled, uh, it'll be, it'll be carbonated, but it won't have the full complexity of the flavor. So I wouldn't recommend it. So it says, ideally you want to cellar the beer up to or beyond the enjoy after date to help it, it reach its full evolutionary potential at that point. Some facets of the Brett characteristics will have mellowed, while others will become more profound. It all matures into a fascinating and delicious culmination. Individual results are very, and that's both the beauty and the intent behind this beer. I am intrigued by this, and when it comes out, I will buy at least one bottle so that I can try this, because 
I don't have a problem waiting a year. I got, I have beers right now that are almost a year old that I'm going to be drinking that I bought last year. So uh, I'm all for it. Yeah, and just a tip, you know, they say this beer won't be fully carbonated, you know, until 10:31:14. If you get this beer before that point, don't put it in the refrigerator. Mm. You will, you know, make all that yeast you know, kind of go to sleep and it's not going to do its job and it's still going to be flat when you open it up. Ah. It's going to really slow down any kind of activity. So keep it, you know, room temperature. Uh, you don't want it to get really hot, um, but just, yeah, try to keep it a consistent, you know, 60, 70 degrees-ish uh, while you're cellaring. Good point. Excellent point. You know what, John? That's one of the topics we should bring up you know, now it's getting towards winter time. Uh, we should uh, talk about the cellaring practices. Maybe we'll have that for a future episode. Yeah, be a good topic. Yeah. All right, John. Hey, how about your article? What did you bring to the table? Yeah, so uh, this one kind of, it, it came out uh, I think about a month ago, but it's starting to make rounds again, I guess. Um, but there uh, were layoffs at the Molson-Vancouver uh, plant. Mm. Um, so it's a, a Molson Coors, you know, big, big brewery, uh, and the, uh, the local, uh, you know, brewery union, uh, rep, uh, explained the layoff saying that, uh, there's been a decline in sales due to the craft beer fad. <laughs> um, you know, that's, it's, it's peeling off, uh, customers. They're, they're going to this, these other beers, but, uh, he said it, it happened with Mike's Hard Lemonade and Smirnoff Ice. They become popular and then they fade out. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not as optimistic as he is that, uh, you know, craft beer is going to go away. Uh, and, you know, he's painting it as, you know, it's costing jobs. And uh, although he's optimistic, they're going to come back to work. Uh, but really, uh, you know, the craft beer industry is creating jobs, uh, you know, all over North America. I mean, in the U.S., there's now over, I think, 3,000 breweries. So, yeah, yeah. you know, that, that's, that's a lot of people at work. And, you know, it it's not just breweries. It's craft beer bars that, you know, yeah. can now support all these people that want to drink this beer. And that's, you know, waitresses, bartenders, you know, busboys, everybody, you know. So, uh, you know, I think it's doing a lot of good. And, you know, he's got to... He's got to paint it somehow, but, uh, you know, I, I think he's a little off base. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, definitely off base. Good good try, buddy, but uh, this is not the fad of, like, a pet rock or anything like that. This is gonna last, this has been this has already been lasting for quite a while, and now it's, it's grown in popularity, of course, but, man, I, I've already mentioned craft brewing has been going on for 25 years. It's That's, that's a long fad. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> oh, good article. Good article. All right. Well, hey, uh, we're almost to the end, but we're a little bit early, so I don't want to stop right away, John, but I'll give you a few minutes to talk about your great pumpkin festival. Did, did you have a good time? I had a great time. So every year, uh, Elysian Brewing, uh, who we talked about in our you know fall beer episode, does uh, the Great Pumpkin Beer Festival. Uh, and this was the 10th anniversary uh, of that. Mm. And uh, so they had, uh, let's see, there were 
think 21 tables each had four different beers and then they had additional like rare beers that would just go on at a random time and you had to be paying attention to either to dj or to somebody just putting a sign up says, hey we have this beer now oh wow. um and uh it, it was a lot of fun um i got to try some great beers uh i was really intrigued there were a lot of sour pumpkin beers mm-hmm. um which i had never seen before or had obviously and i was really impressed they were really good um you know, I don't know how many of them really had uh, too much pumpkin character or that pumpkin spice character um, that we associate with a lot of these beers, but they they were delicious. I mean, they were great. They were excellent sours. It, it wasn't just a gimmick, you know, having the, the pumpkin there. Um, but uh, I did get to grab one of those rare beers I mentioned, uh, the Avery Rumpkin, mm. um, which is a 18% oh my uh, pumpkin beer aged in rum barrels, I believe. Oh, wow. Um, that was in, an incredible experience. I <laughs> stood in a really long line, managed to get a, a sample of it. Um, and, you know, we, we just have our little, like, four-ounce snifter glasses that for the event. And really, that was the perfect size for, for a beer like that um but uh th- that was incredible if, if you ever see a bottle that pick it up and get a lot of friends to share it with um because it 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 was a really great uh just great barrel character um really smooth and and complex uh so that was a good one um i had uh, let's see the uh, the pumpkin sour that I first had was from Almanac Brewing. Mm. Uh, that was very good. Uh, and um, oh, the other I guess I should mention they they uh, they tap a pumpkin full of beer mm. every year. And I'd been warned um, from people who had gone in the past that it's not really that good uh, you know it's, it's in this pumpkin it's not you know it's flat it's it's really just you know it's neat to say i drank a beer from a pumpkin but that's that's kind of it so I, w- I was a little hesitant but you know i figured you, you got to try it yeah it, and you know it it wasn't bad it it was very strong in cinnamon um but you know I would have drank it. I wouldn't have had any problem drinking it if somebody had just handed it to me. <laughs> um, so th- it was really neat. And, you know, they had a, a marching band that was going around and uh, playing and, you know, getting people all riled up. And uh, it, it was just a really cool experience. Um, so if you're ever in the Seattle area in the fall and uh, can get tickets, this thing sold out really fast this mm-hmm. year. Um, so, Hopefully they can find a venue um, larger than their their brewery space that they can they can grab and get a few more people in because it's just it's really fun time. Um, so I I would definitely recommend it if you're ever out here in in the fall and and can snag some tickets. All so. right, next year next year Sarah is not going to let me pass up the festival. That's two years in a row she's 
wanted to go to that festival. So next year, I'll have to make it happen. There you go. <laughs> would, would you, you'll go back with us? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. Excellent. Well, you know, one of those beers you had was the Jolly Pumpkin, the uh, Cal, whatever the one that they have for that sour one. Did, did, oh, yeah. Did that one actually have pumpkin flavor this time? Because last year's uh, batch, it was completely sour. There was no pumpkin at all. So that one I was disappointed in. Yeah. Um, to me, it was weak. It almost seemed watered down. Mm. Um, there was actually a, another sour there from Elysian uh, called Yuck Yuck Goose. <laughs> oh, um, nice. And I went back to the table after I'd had the Jolly Pumpkin and... I asked for the the goose, and the guy was trying to persuade me to go with his favorite beer, which was the Jolly Pumpkin. Mm. And I was trying to explain to him that I already had it, and I wasn't my favorite. And you know, so I, yeah, it, uh, yeah, it, it it just seemed weak to me. Yeah. Um, I, I talked to other people who had enjoyed it in past years, um, so maybe just this year it was a little different, um, but. Yeah, that that one was one of the one of my few misses okay. for the for the festival. Ha, have you had any other Jolly Pumpkin beers? Uh, I actually I don't think I have. Okay. Um, we don't see them that often. Yeah, it's hard to get them. You have to. I mean, even here in my area, we get them, but because Brewers Haven, uh, they special request, and I think they're one of the only ones that can actually get the the bottles in and they have to buy in large quantities too. They can't just they have to buy a, a bunch of cases to get, get them in. But Hey, there's some good beers. The problem is, is because they are a wild, you know, they're using wild yeasts and stuff that the sourness from batch to batch can really change and really be different. So one, you know, like, a, you know, I had a experience last year with that pumpkin one that just, it was a great sour, but there was no, you know, pumpkin flavor no spices nothing it just was a sour and, and obviously this year john experienced it where it was just kind of a weak beer overall so i mean you really it's a hit or miss sometimes on these these sours so all right excellent thank you for the uh the update on the great pumpkin festival so let's uh stay to stay to what we said and get this thing done in an hour so john do you want to raise your glass to anyone special or anything special uh, I guess I, I want to mention uh, just kind of one last time uh, that the Extra Life uh, event going mm-hmm. on. Uh, it's in a couple weeks now, October 25th. Uh, it's a 24-hour gaming marathon that uh, is raising money to help uh, you know sick kids all over the country at the Children's Miracle Network hospitals. Uh, it's, it's a great event. Uh, I, I, I'm participating. Uh, I know a, a ton of people... Uh, that that are participating. If if it's something that interests you, uh, please head over to extra-life.org um, and either sign up or find someone to support uh, in your local area. Or you know, I, I'm willing to bet you may have a a friend or family member that either is participating or or maybe knows somebody. So mm-hmm. I strongly encourage you to to check that event out. So excellent. And if they wanted to support you, what's your uh, what's your username on there? Uh, you can, my page is at extra-life.org slash participant slash Reem, R-E-A-M. Wow. All right. Excellent. Yes. Go out there and support John. All right. So me, 
I have a couple. Uh, I want to. I want to do a toast to a few of our friends online, a few of my friends uh, in person too. Uh, first of all, Indio Techno on Twitter, Aaron. Uh, he lives in St. Louis, but you know what? Never, never hesitates to uh, raise up Tap the Craft and, and myself on Twitter to bring the, his friends to our show. I really appreciate all the support. Also, David Bizzell or David Bizzle. He, um, you know, he lives in Tennessee, and he's all, you know, he asked to to get some promotional stuff to to promote the podcast in the Tennessee area and the Chattanooga area. So. Hey, it's always great to have these these people that just love to to help promote us. I really appreciate it. Also, my buddy Ben Harris in Oregon, Portland, Oregon, Beaverton, Oregon, actually. Uh, Sean Neer on a Twitter. Again, always promoting the show. I really appreciate it. And the Platform Junkies, which is a podcast he's a, associated with. Again, they mention the show every every week, and I, I really appreciate their support. I also want to do a thank you to Open Forum Radio Network uh, for supporting tap the craft and for providing the space uh, the hosting space for our show at openforumradio.com some of their shows include the OFR cast the 40 cast of course my favorite podcast on the network prove your point the married gamers gamer husbands radio and some other casts are just a few of the shows you can find on open forum radio so go take a listen also being a former serviceman from the, from the navy I just want to raise my glass. I want to thank all of those who have served and who are currently serving in the U.S. military services for protecting our freedoms. And I hope that all those deployed will uh, be able to return home safely to their families very soon. All right. And we already mentioned uh, some of our contact information, but we'll go ahead and mention it again now. If you'd like to contact the show, you can reach us through email at tapthecraft at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at TapTheCraft or leave comments on the show post on OpenForumRadio.com or Google+. Just search for TapTheCraft. And just to let you guys know, we have been more active on the Google Plus site. We've been posting the shows and some little extra content there. So, again, go visit us on the Google Plus site. And I will I'll, I'll go ahead and post a little bit on this uh, alcohol uh by volume stuff that we mentioned in the show on that site, just so you guys have something else to reference. You can follow me personally on Twitter, Instagram, and Untapped at Loose Screw, L-U-C-E-S-C-R-E-W, and on Google Plus at Denny Loose. Uh, and ha- and John, how can uh, our listeners follow you? So on Twitter at Prime Brewing, uh, Untapped at Prime W A, and I blog about my homebrewing. Exp- exploits at uh, homebrewengineer.com. All right. Hey, a uh, quick update. Have you had a chance to taste our homebrew, the Loose Cannon? I actually tried uh, to get that in the keg this weekend mm-hmm. um, and found some gunk in my uh, racking cane that I've had for about six years, and I couldn't get it out, so I trashed it and went to the store to get a new one today so okay i will be back in it this week all right so. no problem i just wanted to see if you had an update now i i know this is a belgian strong yeah and we can't rush perfection so i understand if it takes another six months to reach that perfection so i'll i'll just wait <laughs> all 
Patience, my friend. Yes. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, it's last call, and it's time to bring the show to a close. I want to thank all of you for downloading and listening to the show. We hope you were able to find something useful, and we are welcome you to subscribe to the show on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. And just for a reminder, uh, we have a show that comes out uh, every two weeks. Uh, and that's it for this episode. And remember, friends don't let friends drink light yellow fizzy beer quality craft beer can be enjoyed by all so spread the word and convert the beer ignorant 